In this, the third episode of the Tea Break series, I spoke with Chris Little, the bowling coach at Northamptonshire. Chris has recently finished a professional career where he played for Leicestershire, Sussex and most recently Gloucestershire. So a key theme in our conversation was transition and how he'd managed to work ahead of time to develop his coaching skills to be in a position to move to that side of things. Through this we spoke about his coaching philosophy and the importance of focusing on players' strengths as well as areas that they can improve on. We also reflected on how he coped with setbacks and the mental skills involved in the game, particularly the fast-paced T20. And it was great for me to hear how meditation has been a big part of this for him and other teammates over the years. And we finished by looking at how cricketers are supported in what is an unusual environment compared to the rest of society. Have a listen. I think you get plenty from this. Chris gives some really honest, straightforward opinions that I think everyone can learn stuff from. Okay, so joining me for the break today is Chris Little, currently in post as bowling coach at Northamptonshire, but on the back of a career with Leicestershire, Sussex and Gloucestershire. Chris, thank you for joining me. No worries, excited about being here. Well, at the moment, I ask everyone this question, given the, the situation we're in, what have you been doing to, to fill your time without the cricket? <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's been a tough one, really, I think. When I like obviously the year started and and got the position at uh, Northlands, obviously really excited for um, getting going with the lads and pre-season tour and stuff. And then we came back and all of a sudden the coronavirus kicked in and lockdown happened and stuff. So it's I've been trying to keep a little bit busy in terms of keeping in touch with the with the guys, but then obviously then furlough kicked in, so we we've got to sit back on that and wait for furlough to end. Um, so it's been more family time really, and, and you know. Having this time that I've not had in about 17 years, where it's during the summer and I can have a bit of bit of chill time, really, and just uh, yeah, just enjoy a bit of family time and get out for a couple of walks. And yeah, it's, it's been it's been nice in that respect to you know just just relax a little bit and take your mind away from uh, the cricket and pressures that can come with it, and just you know just enjoy what's there. Yeah, it's definitely an opportunity for those kind of things, and I guess a lot of people. In all, all walks of life, we'll be thinking about the time they do get to spend with people. But yeah, if you've come off this this first class career and then gone straight into coaching, I guess time away from the game has been at a premium. So uh, it'd be quite welcoming that. We'll start off thinking about this transition. It's a common conversation that that I have with with players and ex players about how they manage that. Now, you strike me as someone who's been pretty proactive with it because you've got the experience of coaching with the Netherlands as a bowling consultant whilst you were still playing. So yeah. coaching something that you had in mind from an early part of your playing career. Yeah, I think I always looked, I was never 100% sure of what I wanted to do when, um, when cricket ended. But I enjoyed coaching, I enjoyed working with people, I enjoyed chatting about cricket. Um, I did various things when I was at Sussex in terms of you know helping out with some of the academy lads if there was a... Well, George Gant was on the academy at the time when I was I was down there, and I I turned up for some academy sessions and just chat to him and you know talk through cricket and just not necessarily do work with him, but just offer him a bit of, bit of advice as like a senior player at the time. And then obviously that grew into 
um, when I left Sussex and joined Gloucester, is actually trying to be a bit more open-minded in terms of what I wanted to do in, with coaching. Because I knew cricket was never going to last forever. But then I was getting more and more enjoyment out of working with young lads at Gloucester and the lads that were coming through. And um, I was involved in a bit of like quite a bit of second team stuff in terms of the championships. So that allowed me to do a bit more hands-on with the with the players, which Gloucester were brilliant with. And Owen Dawkins and the second team was like, no, please help out and offer a spare set of hands. So that was that was great for my sort of transition. Um, like just really kick-started, I suppose. Um, but then I, I decided to go away for the winter to um, South Africa as a, a, in a sort of play coach role. Um, the whole family went over there for six months. And um, I already knew Ryan Campbell from you know a bit of time in Hong Kong where I went out to play a bit of cricket. And it just so happened that the team were out in South Africa um, preparing for a, the World Cup qualifiers, uh, the 50-over World Cup. And yeah, it was sort of like right time, right place there where he got me, he got me involved. Um, so that's when it all started really kicking off. But I suppose I did make that push to be like, you know, what, I'm going to go out of my comfort zone. I'm going to go to uh, South Africa. I'm going to. The club was very African speaking, so I was really, you know, out of my comfort zone in that respect. Being a northerner in South Africa, <laughs> Afrikaans main speaking speaking club. But you know, I really enjoyed it, and I think that's where the the hunger really grew from there. Thinking, you know. However long cricket might go for, I definitely want to move into the, the coaching side of things. Yeah, so would, was there a part towards the end of your, your, your playing time where you felt like you were almost half, halfway between the two roles, that you were leaning more towards the coaching and doing some of it, but still playing? Was that a difficult thing to juggle or did you manage to separate the two as you were going along? Well, it, it was tough to be fair, and I had, I had a chat with Richard Dawson, who was, you know, it was brilliant for me in terms of he said, you know, you, you can't really do two. He did it. He tried to do it when he was a, a player coach, and you know, we spoke about giving up or basically moving more towards a, a white ball contract, which then allowed me a bit of time to um, do some coaching and do a bit of work when the when the championship cricket's going on, and that was when I could go over to Holland and do some actual coaching sessions with the lads um, over there. Ryan Campbell's really good at getting me over there and getting me involved when time allowed. And then it also freed up actually going with the second team and offering sort of like a, next, another set of hands in terms of when they've got their three-day games to be to be there just to help out. So, yeah, is really good in that respect. And, and that's how I sort of managed to balance them both out. But obviously, when it comes back to... Um, white ball cricket was due to start that was when I had to switch back into that um, playing mode um, which to be fair I felt like it came it became harder to switch back into the playing mode uh, especially last year um, knowing that I you know I was really enjoying the coaching side of things more than I was playing mm. now even though your gap between finishing playing and then starting with a full-time county coaching job has been very small there must have been some anxiety and, and trepidation about leaving one career to move towards the other in that space of time where you were putting together say your, your application at the Northampton, and thinking about these things how did you deal with that period of transition it was a it was a funny one really because the application so i put in was during the um, t20 world cup qualifiers so i was having to buy at the time 
So I was full on into, you know, coaching mode. Um, and I, I looked at the application. I was like, this is this is the this is the one for me. This is what I want to move into. And I still had a, a playing contract uh, for the following year at Gloucester. So I had to retire from actually my contract there to to take up this role when I got off in it. Um, but I remember coming back and thinking, you know what? I, I really hope I I do get this role because it's something I, I feel I'm ready to to move into it now. I, I wouldn't miss playing another year for for this um, this opportunity. Yeah. Now, with you being so fresh from from playing, that's bound to have uh, a number of advantages when when working with players, and, and particularly, I would imagine being able to relate to their experiences and something that I've discussed with the, the guys who've been on the, the tea break before and will do in the future is about how people deal with setbacks. And for us, we're trying to use cricket as our vehicle to get people more generally thinking about how they deal with, with hardship and difficulties and, and so that it doesn't define them. And what would you look at in your career as being a, a time where you did feel you had setbacks? And, and then how did you get through it? Yeah, I, I think I've had many a setback and I think um, most cricketers will as well. I think my, my, towards the back end of my time at Sussex, I, I'd, I'd gone from, you know, I was flying, I was doing really well and then all of a sudden there was a few changes. I think I was, I always had a hunger to play all formats and, you know, I was, I was told at the time, you don't swing it in. Um, you swing it in to be successful in championship cricket so I'd always work on that type of thing rather than just actually sticking to my sort of strength or not knowing what my strength was and sticking to that that was sort of going well for me in white ball cricket um, and with that my form dropped, uh, dropped in white ball cricket because I was trying to um, concentrate too much on championship cricket and then all of a sudden my value in the team dropped because I'm supposed to be you know one of the leading white ball balls I'm not now performing so I was stuck at that um, stage of my career where I was like, I really don't know what's going on. Um, I've lost what I had control of in a way, which was my white ball skills because I've now been trying to perfect the red ball skill that is not naturally um, what I do. Um, so it actually took me a couple of years to actually get back to where I was sort of before and accepting what I do as a, as a cricketer. Um, I think that's when I, I, I sort of kicked on again. I think it'd be my second year at Gloucester. I felt that I was back to where I was maybe three years ago, um, three years before. So I mean, it's difficult. I think I have a, I have a strong wife around me that you say that helps and I can offload on and, you know, some dark times as a cricket in terms of, geez, I think I've, I think I've lost my ability to take, take wickets and be successful. I, like all of a sudden, I didn't feel comfortable going out there and playing and trying to perform. I was, um, but yeah, I managed to. I think it through. I think meditation was quite a big one for me. I, I started Headspace. I started to try and focus on one thing rather than a million things, and just try and keep things real simple, um, which sort of helped clarity in my mind of what I was looking to do. I think I take that into a bit of coaching as well. I think I'm, I'm looking to as a coach to keep things simple for players I don't want them to get too confused I want them to recognize their strengths and what they can do um, and not try and compete with other people in the team to to get if, if you know what I mean I was mm. told that to 
to be a left-arm bowler in championship cricket, you have to sweep back. I don't think that's the case, to be fair. I think there's other ways of taking wickets and it's working out. I think that's the important job as a coach as well as to work with the player um, in that respect. To what do they want to get out of their career? What do they want to do as a, as a bowler or a batsman? Um, working with them, help, helping them recognise the strengths and, um, you know, just, just backing them, really. I think my yeah. first year at Sussex was probably my most confident year because, or first few years, so I was just allowed to go out there and bowl and probably bowls, probably the time where I bowled the quickest because I had that freedom to actually go out and express myself. Um, so I think that's a massive thing, especially as a coach. Yeah, is that something then that, it, that idea of getting people to, to focus on their strengths rather than what they have as areas for development, we get really fixated, whether it be in education or sport, about areas for improvement and getting people to overcome them. When there's such strength in saying, what are you good at and how can you maximise that? Is, is, would that be your approach to coaching that you're trying to get the most out of what they do well rather than focusing on things which maybe aren't going to be their bag anyway? Yeah, I think I definitely think as a coach, I've got to, for me, I've got to help the player understand um, what their strength is. Let's make it a super strength. I know people talk about it a lot, but are you comfortable and do you know that, that this is your strength, this is your go-to? Are you still trying to do other things that might, in a way, fit the mould of a of a right arm seam? You've got to swing it away. Well, in fact, stats show in England that the, ball, um, the most successful balls are the ones that nip it back at the stumps. So, are we aware of that? Or are we doing it because Test cricket and all this looks like we've got to swing the ball away? We've got to look all these beautiful deliveries. But what's most effective? Joffre Archer nips the ball back at the stumps, hits the stumps all the time. That's why he's so successful, he keeps pressure on the batsman. Um, so it's it's helping them understand that you, you know, that strength. Let's let's really let's really nail it down. And if there's certain aspects of the game that we need to add on, whether it is being able to swing the ball because the wickets are flat, we'll work on that. But let's make sure we our main thing of what we do as a bowler or spinner or whatever, we we're 100 on top of that. Now. Yeah, with, with this, across your your time, um, not reminding you of your age or anything here, but <laughs> across the time that you've you, you played and now moving into the other side of it, how much has changed in terms of the the way the mental side of the game is, is approached? Because it's always been a massive part of cricket. It just depends how people have talked about it. Um, it's now appreciated a lot more that it's, a, it's skills that people can work on, but also that because it's a part of your body that can be improved, it can also be something which can have setbacks and have difficulties. What's the conversation, how, sorry, has the conversation around either the mental skills or the mental fitness of players changed from when you first tied up uh, your shoelaces on your first set of pro boots through to now going into working with, with players, I think it's it, it's changed a fair bit. Um, I remember going into the Gloucester dressing room, and I think Chris Dent at the time was like, "Right, lads, we're going to have a meditation session." I was a bit like, "Meditation? <laughs> What's all this about? Like, I'm not just going to get up there and have a kick around the football and then get going." And all of a sudden, I was like, "No, I'm, I'm into this. I'll give this a go." And I really enjoyed it. It helped me relax, and my day was more clear of what I wanted to do. And what I was going to do in, in training. So I never have thought about doing that 
even during my time at Sussex, you'd, you'd have looked at it and been like, what's this lad doing here? He sat there just in the corner, just eyes closed, just, just chilling. It's like, he should be out there training. It was always, training had always, it'd always been like a physical thing, but actually training as well as training the mind. So meditation and doing that type of thing where you can switch off for a second, have a bit of reflection time in, in some cases, or just really plan your day in your head of what you want to do and then go out clear rather than, I think I was a bit, as a as a young lad, a hundred mile an hour of like, right, we're out there. Let's play. Let's do cricket. Let's, let's I want to bowl quick. I want to do. All of a sudden, it, I probably, my net sessions probably didn't have clarity, or I put a hundred percent into the net session if that made sense. Um, so, and again, that'll go into my coaching. Of when I work with lads, we do T Twenty practice. It's we're not going to be in there for ages bowling. What we're looking to work on? Are we replicating what we're going to do in the games? It's having that clarity all the time that I'm. I'm actually training with a purpose rather than just training because I've got a 40-minute ball um, to get the most out of it. And then I go into the game knowing that I've executed in practice, I've done it under pressure, and that just gives you a bit more confidence, I think, knowing that when the pressure's been on in certain practice sessions that we try to replicate match scenarios, that I've done it, I've executed it, I've been in this position before. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's a massive thing, the mental side of the game. It's huge. Yeah, that leads me on to to my, my next point around particularly T20, the, the pressure of there being so few balls, they can be quite defining if they go well or they don't go so well. Along with those kind of things that you've mentioned about meditation as a good practice of, a, of having a clear mind and being focused, how did you go about a, approaching that um, it, it, across your career, particularly when you felt at, you, at your best in that format? What was your process in a tight, difficult game to be able to execute your skills um, to the best of your ability? I think it, it, probably, it probably vary from time to time in terms of sometimes you, with cricket, because T20s happen so often, you sort of go with the floor a little bit. So, you know, it might be times when, gee, my slow ball's coming out superbly like I can keep using that keep using it you probably use it more often than what you did, would do in other games um, and sometimes you you know you feel like that Yorker you're executing the Yorker perfectly that's my goal so I'm not going to do too many slow balls because I feel my Yorker's coming out so you've got to assess the situation at the time um, the wicket what's it conducive to I think I've I've always I, I was always okay in that respect that I'd I, I never had a load of different deliveries that I could bowl, but I, I felt like I could always back my slow ball to get wickets or to get a dot. Um, and then I'd, I'd, I'd back my quick whippy action that I could do someone for pace. So it was about sort of building that overall where I could use my pace to the advantage with the skills of the slow ball as well. So I think if I went as a bowler and went uh, pace on, pace on, pace on all the time, I could get lined up. So... For me, it was a bit of variation, but being smart with it. And yeah, I think a lot of it happened when oh, your success came. When you, you know, I felt like I just read read the game pretty well, and you know what what I felt was coming coming out my hand really well. Yeah, that decision making. I mean, I look at it from the stands and think the game will pass me by in the time it takes me to go and get a drink and get back <laughs> to my seat. So to be in the middle of it and to and to have those nuances of a particular batter being on strike, using the, the different bowlers at different times and different ends, um, it really places something quite fresh in, 
in cricket. I mean, I know T20's been around for a pretty long time now, but certainly compared to how people might view the game as being the ebb and the flow over a longer period, it being crushed into that really short amount of time yeah. something that um, probably quite, it, it, well, is it as exciting to play as it is to watch? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I think I remember there's times I came off the field and and, and I remember thinking, I'm, you know, I didn't hear the crowd there. I was so involved in the game and what I was doing that I kind of, it's been like playing at the Oval and it's been like nearly a sellout and stuff. And like, massive, you know, when you, you go into the change rooms, look around, you think, we're batting now and it's absolutely packed in here. I just didn't even recognise it when I was out there bowling because I was, yeah, so sort of, involved in what, what I was trying to do but then there's times when I've, I've probably not been as confident when I've been out there and I've recognised everybody in the crowd I can hear everything that's going on rather than actually just concentrating on the cricket side of things um, the other other stuff's got my sort of attention rather than you know the two batsmen that are in um, so yeah it, do, it, it does vary it's fast paced I think as a bowler I think I've always struggled when I've been told by a captain what he wants me to bowl because I felt like he's now telling me what to do whereas I should know myself what my strengths are and what I'm going to go what my go-to deliveries are um, I like having a bit of advice from players and stuff but I think when I've been probably at my most confident is that I know exactly at the top of my mark what I'm looking to do or even when I'm walking back to my mark and that's probably when I've been most involved in the game and not recognise you know stuff from outside the, the square in, in that respect. Um, but on the flip side of that, when I'm not being so confident, the captain's been talking to me, the captain's been, you know, ball this delivery, I recognise the crowd, I can hear everything that's going on, I'm not really involved in, you know, bowling that batsman at the other end. So it's, um, I think that's where the mental side of thing comes into it in terms of, you know, the headspace we do in recognising, hold on, you know, I've, I've, I've been here before, just take a breath, slow things down, because the game is 100 mile now, it is rapid, but you've still got that split second that you can take out there when you're bowling, you're still at the end of the mark, just to calm yourself down a little bit, because you don't want to be going 100 miles out, now inside, your heart pumping and all going fast, and then your head, things like flying around as well, different deliveries to bowl, this is happening, that's happening, so you just got to try and stay as sort of calm, as you, calm as you can, really. And that's so repeatable as well all the other things that are going on are at the mercy of what the batsman's doing what the the fielders are doing even you know how you manage to deliver the ball but being able to say i'm going to i'm going to be in control of how long it takes me to do my run up and how long it takes me to yeah. transition between balls is something that i know i remember a few years ago we did a session with um tom smith and he was saying about he'd like to take that little pause before he turns to run because he knew then that was what he could control, what was about him and just trying to get his thoughts a bit clearer rather than rushing straight into another delivery and, and not necessarily having that, that ownership of it. So that's, that's something anyone can, can do, whether it's at the beginning of a, a mark in a, a cricket game or in the office or, or whatever. So I think that's a really important point. Yeah. In this area... In terms of, say you mentioned at Gloucestershire, you've got like someone like Chris Dent there who's leading things with uh, meditation. I know that, for example, uh, you've got like 
Dave Payne's in, into that kind of thing as well, and you've got people who, who buy into it. It's really beneficial from a performance and a perspective. How far does that help people in terms of like a, a, a general aspect of, of mental health? If people are comfortable to do things like have a, a group meditation, explore things that are a bit different, does that translate into people being more comfortable with each other to perhaps share when they have a problem, when they are struggling with something? Yeah, I think um, uh, look, like it wasn't as if the whole dressing room got involved in the meditation. It was it was open to people who want to give it a go, want to try it. And there were some guys in there that didn't do it, and I'm sure they still haven't done it. It's not part of them. They don't feel they need to do it. Um, and that's absolutely fine. I mean, they've got, they might deal with things in another way. They might, you know, speak to someone, offload on someone. Um, they might not just have any interest in it at the moment. Um, but there was never any sort of like, um, there was, you, you were never made to feel, why are you doing this? What are you doing that for? Type of thing. It was like, oh, fair dues. That's what, that's what people do these days. It's, it's how they get themselves ready to perform. It's how they get themselves in a good state of mind. Um, and that's what I think changing rooms are changing now in, in that respect. So we like, you got your 10 minutes before we go out and you know you're going to do your, your meditation. That's fine. You do that. Some people are just going to go and kick a ball down the bottom. That's their way of just switching on for the day and stuff like that. So um, I think um, I think changing rooms and coaches are a lot more, well, certainly the ones that I've, sort of been involved with recently a lot more open to how people prepare and it's your own personal time to how you prepare and what you need to get out of it to then go and perform in the game um, and I think that's that's really important that you're not forcing people to prepare in a certain way it's got to be a natural way for them that they feel comfortable now that they can go out and perform and, and you know in a match and it also at home as well and away from cricket are you, are you happy does doing these things give you a bit of structure in your life um and that type of thing that you, you know you're happy with your performance mentally on and off the field mm, that's the key I, I i agree entirely that someone like yourself or me who, who practice meditation would be keen to to encourage anyone to give it a go to translate into something where it's a it's a compulsion and then people feel like they they resist it in that way so yeah. and the individual do what, what they think is best for them is is always the way forward in, in terms of um a kind of a, a last little topic to think about here a lot of what we've spoken about is around that that performance aspect getting people to get the most out of what they put into training to put together routines to be able to cope with the pressures and the demands of the game um, again, from your perspective over uh, over the time that you you've been in professional cricket, how well does the sport do for providing help and support when people are struggling with things beyond their game, when they're struggling with their health, with mental ill health? How has that borne out over the years? I think the PCA have been a lot more. A lot more involved and offering a lot more support and different workshops and stuff and you know I think the PC you know they're brilliant they're, they're there to offer any help for any situation in life I think um, you know a close friend of mine went through such a hard time in his life and he, you know and the PCA were there all the way and they're still helping him now and they're still offering support so 
I think that it's brilliant to know that they've got a backing like the PCA who will help you out, get you back, help you get back on the park, help your family out, and, you know, make sure that you're well looked after in a way in terms of, you know, if you need support from somewhere else outside of cricket, they'll seek it and they'll source it and, you know, and, and make sure that your, your mental well-being and your well-being of yourself and the families, you know, really looked after. I think, I think they've been crucial even for um, for me as a player when I was when I was playing. It was just having that, you know, the PC, the PCA rep when I was at Sussex and Gloucester, just having that person to speak to because sometimes you can feel a bit lost um, in cricket and you don't want to turn to a coach to. Um, offer personal advice, but the PCA is there to, or not offer personal advice, talk personally um, too. But um, you know, the PCA person's there to you know help you, and you can offload. And it, I think it just you know it's it's a weight off the mind sometimes as well that you can have that person to speak to. Yeah, and I think without exaggeration, they're 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 among the world leaders in in what they do in looking after their players. I've done quite a lot of reading over the years about how different sports do it and been fortunate enough to to work with some of the the pdms and, and yeah they just do brilliant stuff and, the, and the, it is such a as you say comprehensive service it could be about any area of someone's life that they need some support with um and they, they're there to do that so as we then then chris if we're looking ahead to when touch wood we do get a bit of cricket this year with your yeah, with your with it being your first year in 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 the role at, at North Hands, aside from any uh, sort of performance re, um, uh, related targets, is there anything about what you want to achieve just to get yourself going in this area? What's the sort of process you're looking to put into place with those players? I think firstly for me as a coach is is building that trust with the player. Um, you know, it's it's, it's knowing that they can come and speak to me about their game. They don't have to hide anything. I'm here to help them. I'm here to support them as a, as a player on and off the field as well. Um, but trying to give them, the player, a bit of clarity, a bit of role clarity. I think, you know, any person coming into the team has got to sort of understand the, the role that's going to be expected of them. And that goes in how they train as well. So I'm quite hands-on in, in that respect to be like, you know, this is what we see your strengths are. Do you agree? If they do agree, or you know, we'd have the discussions and stuff like that, and then you know, build that into training and and you know, be clear about. Because I think when we do come back, or hopefully when we come back, um, it's going to be straight into 2020, which you know, you can be you know, you can be really detailed in 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 the way you go about your training, the way you prepare. So I think you know, firstly for me as a coach, I just want to you know get back with the lads and get back. Um, work with them and working on skills and you know the execution and giving them confidence that they can go into the game and knowing they've done it in practice and go and you know express themselves because we've got some, some superb bowlers here and batsmen and I just want to see you know I just want to be part of their success and help them be successful and you know hopefully it'll turn into a good year for for North Ants and for cricket as well. Brilliant. Yeah, Chris, I think that finishes us on a really nice note. It's actually got me thinking about getting outside and playing and now <laughs> disappointed to an extent. But yeah, that's terrific. Thanks very much um, 
for joining me. Uh, I'll, I'll keep my eye on what happens when we do get outside. Wish you all the best with everything. In the- no worries. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Cheers, Chris. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thank you.